Get your day started with a breakfast full of positive music, fun, inspiration and so much more. Rise and shine with Felon DJ. Weekday mornings on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to prayer and healing and what the Bible teaches about these practices. For a lot of people, there's real doubt as to the value of prayer and whether God still heals today. Is Christian prayer for healing the same as faith healing? Why do some get healed and not others? Is it just for bad backs or does the Great Commission ministry of healing the sick and casting out demons still hold relevance today? Well, Dr. Baruch Corman is the senior lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. He's a Bible teacher with an emphasis on the Jewish context of Scripture. He's seen on numerous television networks around the world, and you can view his expository Bible teaching in Australia on the Daystar Network, God TV and TBN Pacific. And Baruch Common is coming back to Australia in September. Baruch, a special welcome back to 2020. Shalom, Neil. I'm very glad to be with you this morning. Now, Baruch, you're coming back to Australia and you're addressing effective prayer and healing from a biblical perspective. What do you say when someone says, hey, Baruch, but surely God doesn't heal anymore? Well, the Bible reveals that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that about his son in the book of Hebrews. Uh, God does heal. He ministers. God is a God who's active in this world. And truly what we find is that there's a principle which can assist us in experiencing God's activity in our life. So in Western nations, and I'm interested in your perspective because you're speaking from an Israeli Jewish perspective and your outlook on the world, but a lot of Western nations have a very secularized view and almost a denial of the power of God. So prayer and healing don't seem to have the same weight for some people. Well, unfortunately, that's true. Yes, I'm Jewish. Yes, I'm in Israel as a citizen. But we should form our confessions concerning uh, God, not based upon where we live, not the cultural norms, not what secularism says, but what the Scripture says. And I don't know of any Scripture that tells us that God ceases to be the God of the Bible uh, in some location or at some time. What we find is is that God wants very much to be active in people's life. And I mentioned a principle. What we see is that when an individual is wanting to obey God, that desire of obedience, that desire to submissiveness brings God's presence and his activity into that person's life. So I think that's the foundation for experiencing the movement of the Holy Spirit in someone's life. So is it a normal thing? Ought we think of a prayer for healing as something that's an ordinary, normal part of the Christian life? Well, I know that there's a very popular Bible teacher that states that uh, God always wants all people to be healed from whatever is plaguing them. I don't believe that is a biblical view. I know that there are scriptures that tell us that uh, people suffered for for many years, 
uh, when when Messiah was asked about someone who was born blind, obviously it was not due to sin, as the conversation in the scripture goes in John chapter 9, but it was for God's glory to be manifested. So there is, biblically, a basis for having a sickness, having a handicap, having some disease, and not experiencing healing, but but living faithfully in the midst of that. Paul, he had a, a uh, thorn in his side. He prayed that God would take it away, and God didn't. He said his grace was sufficient, meaning that Paul's going to have to learn to live obediently in spite of that. So it's not always that God heals, but God still does heal at times according to his purposes. Recently, I just taught a study on the book of Job. Job suffered. There was a purpose behind it. Job was not healed for a significant period of time, but he was, and he never found out. We do as a reader, but Job never found out why he was going through, why he suffered these these devastating things in his life. He never found out why, but God had a purpose nevertheless. Do you find, Baruch, that some are content in their suffering, and sometimes it's going to be from the sort of Christian foundations that have built up our faith as to whether we ought to just suffer silently or seek healing? What would you say to someone who's in the balance there and wondering, do I continue to suffer in silence, suffering the way I do, or ought I be seeking an effectual prayer for my healing? Uh, excellent question, because I believe at times that that the Scripture says there's a sickness unto death, meaning that, that in this world that we're living in, we're living in a, a world that has been affected by sin. Because of that, there is death. When we look at the book of Kohelet, that is the book of Ecclesiastes, we find the principle that that time and chance happens to to all, meaning simply there's diseases, there's sicknesses, and they are going to affect people. We know that we are, are going to die if we're not alive when the Lord returns. So death is a normal uh, part of being in this world. And one of the ways that people die is through sickness and disease. Um, just just returned from a trip from Ireland, and our main contact there, his wife uh, passed away, and she came down with cancer, and she prayed. She was a woman of great faith, walked with the Lord for many, many years, uh, saw miracles and such, but she prayed, and she knew that this was her time to go. And and shortly thereafter, the doctors were very surprised, but but there was a happening, and uh, due to her cancer, she died abruptly and quickly, and she knew it. She did not feel led to pray for, for healing. She didn't have it within her, the thought that God was going to do this, that it was her time to die, and she felt that God was calling her to testify uh, of her love and faithfulness to him in spite of the fact that she was going to die and teach people her last ministry which was very effective, was showing people how to die in faith and not believe, well, if God doesn't heal me, if I don't recover, then uh, uh, something's wrong with God, something's wrong with my faith, you know, something's not proper. No, she, she laid down her life at, I believe, God's timing. She did so joyfully, confidently, with an assurance that she was leaving this world and going into the very presence of God in the kingdom of heaven. 
It's inspiring in some sense, isn't it, to be talking about healing and yet be talking about dying. As one philosopher said in recent times, uh, living is a terminal illness. It's appointed unto all of us to die, and so there is preparation along those lines. However, if we're suffering, uh, whether it's chronic pain or disease or we have some sort of disability, what sort of things ought we recognize around the power of hope, knowing that God can prolong my life, can heal my sicknesses and diseases? Well, you mentioned prayer. Prayer is a very important part of receiving revelation and illumination from God. Of course, we do that through his word, word and uh, the word study, the scriptures and prayer teach us. And in my experience, when I was uh, a little bit younger than I am now, I, I worked for nine months in a hospital situation, primarily dealing with dying people. Uh, in this country, they have what's called uh, hospice. And going back 30 years, it was for people who, who were believed to, to be on their way to death within a week. And so spent for nine months all the time around dead people, people who were dying. And I was amazed when I talked to believers that that many knew it was their time. And therefore, I think that we need to, to seek God and ask, is, is healing your will for me right now? Is this a sickness unto death? Is this something that I'm called to, to battle and, and show a testimony in, in dealing with this and dealing with it joyfully? We're, of course, never to be, to be unmindful of the fact that people are suffering, the pain that they may be going through, the hurt. But as Paul found out, God's grace is sufficient, and God's grace can over, overcome the, the hurts, the pain, the suffering that someone is doing. And I certainly want to emphasize how important it is. I remember there was a pastor, a very good friend of mine, that came down with cancer, and his whole obsession was trying to maintain his life. And I felt he gave a very uh, faithless testimony towards the end of his life by just pursuing healing at all costs, going all over the world trying to find someone that could heal him, where I believe it was much better if he said, you know, I'm going to be with the Lord. If God doesn't choose to heal me, that's fine because I know where I'm going and I have joy in that. We're supposed to rejoice in all times and in all situations. Reminds me of those words spoken by Job. Though he slay me, yet will I rejoice in him. Uh, that's a sort of way that your testimony is just as important whether you are healed or not. But Baruch, let's come to the thought of being healed and the pursuit of healing. Testimonies of people who have received a healing from God. Those build our faith and lead us to pursue healing. Is it a matter of how much faith I have as to whether I'll be healed? Uh, faith is certainly an equation in this. I, I would want to strongly warn people that uh, if I'm not healed, is, it a, is the problem always a lack of faith on my part? Absolutely not. But going back to a biblical example uh, that's related to that principle I shared earlier, there was a woman. She had an issue of blood for 18 years. 
and suffering and such. And she went up, and it says in the scripture that she she grabbed the the hem of Yeshua's garment. Now that hem is those fringes at the corner of of the garment, which relate to the Bible says in Numbers chapter fifteen verses thirty seven through forty one that they relate to the commandment, the reason commandments in general. The reason why she she grabbed hold of that it was a a cultural uh, norm within Judaism. To grab onto that was a pledge of obedience. And I think this is the foundation. We find God moving in our life, whether that's to heal and restore and and totally give us deliverance over that, or the power to endure and overcome this this plague by maybe not experiencing healing, but, but being able to accomplish God's purpose for us being in that situation when our utmost desire is to obey God and apply his word and his truth to our life. When we do that, God's going to give us insight. He's going to give us revelation to understand our situation and what is his will in the midst of it. We see biblically there are times when people are are struck with the disease, not that God's the source of it, but God can use it. As he said to that, that one who was born blind, in order that the glory of God might be might be manifested through this situation. So that is a possibility, and it takes faith to do that, to live in the midst of some disease, some handicap, some problem, to do so joyfully, obediently in the midst of that, and that God supplies the power for us to endure that in a way that that is a, a godly influence on others because they see our faith and commitment to him, that our commitment is not just based upon always getting healed, but on the fact that who God is and what his word commands us. Baruch, give us your insight. As a Jewish Bible teacher, someone who focuses on Jesus, uh, the Lord, uh, the author, the finisher of our faith, and how we might look at those words in the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and he bore our diseases. How much bearing does it have when we read the prophets and we understand what God has intended through Christ and his death on the cross when it comes to our expectation of healing? Well, first and foremost, when we look at that, and I realize in the New Testament, it does indeed put that in the context of healing from sickness and disease and and uh, demonic uh, activity. So there is that aspect to that, that verse from Isaiah 53 and being physically healed from disease and sickness. In its original context, it also speaks about being healed from the disease of sin and the consequences of sin. I'm speaking about eternal consequences being separated from God. So what he did there, those stripes that he bore uh, for us, it, it, it relates to us experiencing, first and foremost, forgiveness. And I think that's where it begins. We need to realize that, that much of, of sickness, not all, but there is a degree of sickness being related to sin. And where it begins, if I was counseling someone in regard to experiencing healing, it begins with, with realizing that that sin, or excuse me, that sickness and disease can be tied, not always, but tied to sinfulness. And, and the second thing we need to realize is that, this is in a general sense, 
We are living in a world stained by sin. There's disease here. There's death here. That's a natural part of living in this world. So the concept that if you're faithful, you're never going to get sick. And I've heard people boldly proclaim, well, I've been walking with the Lord for for 45 years. and, And since doing that, I haven't been sick one day in my life. Well, that's not my experience. Uh, we all, I believe, encounter from time to time some, some sickness, general sickness, cold, flu, whatever. And that does not mean that we're, we're faithless. It simply means that we're living in a world that's stained by sin where disease is uh, common. Well, Dr. Baruch Corman is our guest, Senior Lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel. He's a Bible teacher with an emphasis on the Jewish context of Scripture. He's seen on numerous television networks around the world. You can see his expository Bible teaching program in Australia on the Daystar Network, God TV and TBN Pacific. We're going to continue our conversation about prayer and healing just ahead. A wonderful opportunity today to be talking about the Bible and the teaching that we'd understand about the power of prayer and healing. Dr. Baruch Corman, Senior Lecturer at the Zerah Avraham Institute based in Israel, is coming to Australia. He'll be in Sydney on the 2nd and 3rd of September. He'll be speaking at the loveisrael.org Sydney Conference at the Theatre in Chatswood. Uh, Continuing to talk about this effective prayer and healing from a biblical perspective, Baruch, there's a scripture there in Luke chapter 11 and verse 20, where Jesus says, But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Is that the same with healing and with deliverance, that these things, when they happen to us, are in fact a demonstration that the kingdom of God is there? They're certainly connected to the kingdom of God. When you say the kingdom of God is there, one of the things we know is that that Yeshua, Jesus Christ, he is the king of kings and therefore the king of that kingdom. But I would go back to, to a very important contextual clue when it speaks about the finger of God. Now, we see that finger of God mentioned in a couple places. For example, we see it in the book of Exodus when the these... Uh, enchanters and and individuals that are part of Pharaoh's administration recognize the the plagues as judgments and the finger of God relating to the authority of God. They understood through this mighty happening that God's authority was being manifested. Likewise, with the giving of the law, we know that the commandments were written with the finger of God, showing again his authority. So judgment and authority, what I believe that that Yeshua is speaking about in Luke chapter 11 is that God has authority over all things. And when we, we recognize that and we live according to kingdom truth, we can experience kingdom benefits. And that's what, what Jesus was saying here in Luke chapter 11, is that the kingdom benefits are available today. We're not in that kingdom. The kingdom has not come in its fullness, obviously, but we as believers can can experience benefits of that kingdom reality that's coming right now, uh, today, in this situation, and part of that is victory, and at times that victory is victory over uh, disease and sickness, 
the attacks of the enemy through demonic uh, uh, oppression and such. So there's a great potential that we have because we are believers in Messiah Yeshua and believers who want to submit to his order and his purposes. The kingdom of God is strongly related to the order of God, and that's what we should be praying for, God's order, his purpose to be manifested in our life and through our life. So there are benefits of the kingdom reality, and we might include in that healing and deliverance. How they happen through the believer. Let's move on to this for a moment, Baruch, because in the New Testament, in the Bible, we're encouraged to pursue spiritual gifts. One of those is a gift of healing. How do you think that works in the context of here am I needing healing or there are people who are around me who need healing? Well, first and foremost, there are spiritual gifts and there are those who have that gift of of laying upon hands and seeing people recover. I personally don't have that gift, but I do believe that that gift exists today. And again, the ones that are are trustworthy with that gift, unfortunately, many people use uh, this whole concept of healing in, I would say, a way of the charlatan instead of being people of sincerity. But there's always going to be a commitment, a commitment to the authority of Scripture and a desire to, to see one who is healed to walk with God. We see that so many times in the New Testament. When when someone is healed, Messiah says, and sin no more. Uh, walk in faith. The, this healing is for the purpose of obeying God. And I can't overemphasize that. Uh, you mentioned about uh, Jewish uh, context. Well, what's interesting, every week in the synagogue on Shabbat, we read the Torah, and immediately after reading the Torah, there's prayers for the sick. And it's not by accident that those, these two things go hand in hand. We read God's expectations, the Torah and the commandments that we find there reveal to us God's expectations for us. So we pray for those who are sick that they might be healed. And the connection is so that they can fulfill God's expectations. So healing is not for a show. It's not simply for a, a demonstration of God's power, although healing can be a sign and a wonder, but it's primarily for us to be renewed, restored back to the, the purpose that God has given us life, and that is that we might walk in obedience to his word. That's got to be the foundation for anything related to healing of sickness, disease, and also uh, demonic influence that can be can be plaguing someone. No doubt there's a caution as to who prays for you. As you say, there's a laying on of hands. Uh, there's also this fear of charlatans, uh, people who are false prophets in the sense of claiming to have a healing ministry, but perhaps it's not obvious there. So a fear of being at the mercy of a charlatan. And yet, we understand the words of Jesus when he said, uh, you know, I'm going away, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you'll do greater works than the ones that I've been doing because I'm going to the Father. So we ought to be expecting that there will be miraculous things happen through the right people. But finding the right person to pray for me, that might be the challenge. It, it is a challenge. There are those individuals that unfortunately 
uh, misappropriate, misunderstand, do not have the sincerity, are not true servants of God. We know that there are those uh, wolves in sheep's clothing. And again, uh, we should always want to examine who who we're, we're listening to, who we're experiencing, who's ministering to us, their commitment to the Word of God. And I think that's a very, very foundational principle for us that we want to be uh, surrounding ourselves with people who believe in the authority of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, and the the relevance of Scripture for all time, and to take it very literally, not uh, symbolically. But Rook, I remember talking to a surgeon once, and he said uh, for him, watching someone being prayed for, it was important to get some form of accurate diagnosis uh, so that you would know what was wrong so that you could actually then judge whether the person has been healed. Uh, the sorts of ways that you might uh, be able to verify a miracle, if someone says, I'm healed, uh, would you expect to see some sort of a, a piece of paper from a doctor that says, yes, there's been something miraculous that's happened here or uh, the x-rays that will show that a healing has taken place. Any thoughts here on the way we approach healing, because sometimes a little bit too flippant? Well, um, I think at times there's going to be evidence of that. Uh, uh, I've had friends that, that have prayed for healing for loved ones, and they go back, they're supposed to have surgery, and the doctor's on uh, diagnostic exams, whether it's an x-ray, a CAT scan, uh, whatever, don't see the problem. And they followed it up, and that problem did not return. So there is documentation of healing. There's a part from that, a part or a place for that. But here again, I would say that, that we don't always see that, that there is a full uh, diagnostic uh, certificate when someone went up to, to Messiah for, for healing, and I don't think we're called to run to the doctors or whatnot to have that, that proof of it. Uh, I think sometimes the proof of it is to see a life that is living for God. Uh, people know that they were sick, and now they know that they have been healed, and their life reflects that healing. So at times, I guess there's uh, evidence of that from a medical standpoint but I don't believe it's a, a requirement. Uh, you know, the expression, the proof is in the pudding. If someone was, was in bed and now they're out of bed and they're rejoicing and they're able to, to function in the fullness of life, being set free from some disease or sickness, I think that's pretty good evidence. It's one thing, isn't it, to have broken bones or even x-ray diagnosis that says you've got a tumour. Uh, but those sorts of things, they're obvious when the healing happens. And so many of us will have heard testimonies and seen people who've gone through amazing healings. And those things happen very often in churches. And some churches, it's happening weekly. But there's these other growing challenges that come under the banner of mental illness and emotional challenges and these things have not been so apparent uh, really until just more recent times but the healing of God for the ways that our lives outwork by way of mental illness and emotional uh, weaknesses these are a whole new dimension that are just being discovered as being symptomatic that need to have our attention Baruch. 
Absolutely. I have a good friend in, in the, the Midwest, in the United States, in the Midwest, and a, a child of, of his is started to, to really suffer with, with mental illness. And what was so wonderful is that uh, the father was able to minister to, to his, his son through the Word of God. And, and we see that, that that person is finding deliverance through meditating upon Scripture, through serving God, and, and, and praying to God, God, I do not want these feelings to dominate my life. I want your truth, and I want your will and your purposes to dominate my life. And the father has been amazed on, on how his son is overcoming these things through being committed to the Lord. And I think that's, that's so important that we see that unless someone wants to be committed to the things of God, we have to ask, why, why would God heal? What, what is the, the, the purpose for God to move mightily in someone's life if that person is not going to respond? So foundationally, this, this call of submissiveness, wanting to, to overcome the, oftentimes the attacks of the enemy, the, the effects of a, a sin-stained word, world, we want to overcome that so we can be instruments that bring honor and glory to God. And personally, I've witnessed many times when someone makes that their commitment, that they say, a successful day for me is a day where I worship God, I give thanks to him, I honor him, I praise him, I glorify him. When we start realizing that we don't allow the, the difficulties of this world to get us away from doing those things of praising God, and we, we classify victory of, as worshiping God in spite of what we're going through, that consistent worship produces a major change in our thought process, our, our, our mental health, our spiritual health, it, it brings godly power into our life. And so walking in that obedience to Christ actually has its own well-being and its own healing dimension to it that we ought not to ignore. Hey, let me ask you the really hard question here, Baruch. Uh, there are two times when the Great Commission is mentioned in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark and in the Gospel of Matthew. and They're very different. One is about taking the gospel into all the world and making disciples and teaching people all the things that Jesus taught. But the other one in Mark chapter 16, and some will say it's less reliable, but these are the words. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover." There are some sections of the church that see the Great Commission really more like the Mark version. Others will see it more like the Matthew version. I wonder if you've got a great Jewish Bible teacher insight onto those versions of the Great Commission. Well, I think we need to take both of these very seriously. It's not an either or. or. I think a individual church errs greatly when it emphasizes one and, and neglects the other. Both of these are part of what God has called his followers to do, that we're supposed to do what it says in Mark about casting out demons, realizing that, that when we are in God's will, ultimately harm won't happen to, to us. Uh, but also in Matthew's gospel, 
And I think this is the connection between, it's what I've been, been emphasizing in our conversation, part of that great commission from Matthew's gospel is exactly what you, you have said, but when it says just not teaching them all things, but teaching them to obey all things. And I think this is the, the real connection between these two. Not just when people are learning what, what God wants from them, but when they are obeying these things, then that brings that obedience, brings that anointing. The Holy Spirit, he comes upon every believer. But just because the Holy Spirit is in a believer's life, we know the scripture, we can hinder, we can grieve the Holy Spirit. But, but when we are committed to obedience, and uh, Neil, I'll, t- I'll tell you, if, if you were to ask me, what is the most negative email that we get most frequent? It's the emphasis on obedience. And some feel that obedience is opposed to grace. It's not. The grace of God brings about that change in our lives. First of all, it saves through the grace of God we're saved. But that grace of God works as well to produce obedience. And that's where the power is. So when we emphasize this, this obedience, it's going to bring the anointing. So those things in Mark's uh, uh, description, the Great Commission that you mentioned, casting out demons and, and such, those things are going to be a reality as well. So it's not an either and or. We need to take all of God's word. We need to, to implement it into our life. And then we're going to have the effects, the victorious, the victorious effects that, that the scripture promises us. And as we align with the Great Commission, Baruch, and we're aligning, I imagine here, with God's purposes and the thought of emancipation, of liberty, of redemption, these sorts of things are a release from the bonds of sin and they are releasing us into healing and freedom, the liberty that we can have before God. So when we talk Great Commission, God's purposes, uh, this is the sort of thing that we are talking about with prayer and healing. These things go in the wake of our attention to the Great Commission. Is that the way there is an order there? Get an idea about where God is leading and these things follow in the wake. They, they do follow as a result, but uh, let's go to your example. You mentioned the term liberty and freedom. In Hebrew, the the main word that describes it is the word chirut. And this is what the children of Israel received coming out of Egypt. They were slaves and in bondage. And when they came out, they were were free and uh, made, uh, they experienced liberty. But God took them in that freedom and liberty to Mount Sinai, where he gave them his commandments. And, and this is the point, this freedom and this liberty is so that we can obey the word of God. When we're slaves to sin, we can't obey God's word. We're in bondage. We don't have the opportunity. But this redemption comes along and gives us the new condition where we can, can obey God. We're not saved for, we're not saved by obedience, but we are saved for obedience and it's in that obedience, that commitment, that desire to, to obey God that we find that, that power being released in our life. So much of the, the, the problems of, of sickness, disease, and such, these are, are oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes the outcome of the enemy 
to hinder us and discourage us and to try to keep us from obeying God. There is such power when we say, above all, I want to obey God and are, are sincere and committed to that. Coming back to prayer and healing, because it really begins, I imagine, in our prayer life, that we'll put our faith in God, that we'll pursue obedience because we're communicating with God. It's a dialogue, a one-on-one, asking God to speak to us as we speak to him. If we're talking about all of these other dimensions of our Christian walk in the kingdom of God and even healing the sick. These things begin with a prayer life and knowing that it's God who does the healing. Is that a fair enough way of forming an example of a foundation like that? Absolutely. I, I appreciate what you said about prayer being a dialogue. Uh, when you look at the, the word for the verb praying, praying, it is in a special construction in Hebrew called the Hitpalel, which which is the reflexive this back and forth. So we make known our supplications to God, but a very important part of prayer is listening to God. So praying, praying through his word, offering up psalms and scriptures to the Lord, and then waiting silently, waiting uh, in in reference for God to to respond, to, to place things upon our hearts, to communicate with us. And I think this is foundational. What we hear from the Lord, this goes back to what I shared about uh, that that woman who died in Ireland. Uh, She was convinced, and and facts proved it out, that she was near death, that this was a sickness unto death, and that she was called to live in light of that for the time that she had left, and to testify boldly of her faith in God despite uh, her life ending at Many, what many would say, uh, uh, a younger age than the normal uh, life expectancy. So we need to hear from God in order that we know what God's wanting to do in our life and with our situations and even with our, our sicknesses and diseases. Those who teach God always wants to heal simply did not have a biblical basis for, for such a view. So Baruch, for those listeners right now who are thinking, will I go forwards in the prayer line at my local church this coming Sunday? What's your advice? Well, I think we should always uh, open ourselves up for, for prayer. When we go and we pray sincerely, when we go and pray wanting to hear from God, it's it's a right thing to do. And also, it's, it's great that we have opportunities to pray with one another, to pray for one another, and to, to listen uh, to what, what God is saying as a response, as we talked about earlier, and seeing if that other person, our prayer partner, if they're hearing that same thing, because oftentimes God speaks uh, concerning or gives a word of knowledge to someone else. We see that in the Bible gives a word of knowledge, a word of instruction to someone else for for another per- person. So that's very important that we surround ourselves with just not one or two, but, but sometimes a, a handful of people who are interceding with us, first and foremost, to know the mind of God in that situation. Because if we just just cut that out and say, okay, God, I've already foregone concluded that you want me to, to be healed. This is eliminating a very foundational aspect, and that's hearing from God first on what his thoughts are for that situation. 
So many listeners will be looking forward to you arriving back on our shores in Australia, Dr. Baruch Corman. You're going to be in Sydney and speaking on the topic, something similar to what we're talking about today, a deeper way of talking about Bible teaching around effective prayer and healing from a biblical perspective. Coming to Australia, the 2022 loveisrael.org Sydney Conference on the 2nd and 3rd of September at the Theatre in Chatswood. Effective Prayer and Healing from a Biblical Perspective. You'll be able to register at derekprince.com.au and you can connect with Baruch at loveisrael.org. Baruch, thanks so much for sharing your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be with you and may God bless you in your ministry. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.